Welcome to the DadWork Podcast. My name is Kurt Storing, your host and the founder of DadWork. This is episode number 88, Raising Kings and the Power of Masculine Role Models with my guest, Dylan Ruse. We go deep today talking about understanding the long-term impact of how you handle your child's emotions, why good communication is important when raising children and dealing with them when they're vulnerable, the importance of joining a men's group and building your band of brothers, normalizing having conversations with your kids about big topics like sex, drugs, and dating, why it's vital to be a good role model for your children, and being able to intentionally initiate new ideas to your kids as a family. Dylan Ruse is a master NLP practitioner and masculinity coach, empowering independent young men to find their power, passion, and purpose by transforming them from princes to kings. You can find Dylan online at his website, dylanruzecoaching.com, or on Instagram at dylan.ruse. That's R-O-O-S. And of course, you can also find all these links on our website at dad.work slash podcast. I'm excited to have Dylan on today, guys. We've been chatting on Instagram for a while, and I just think it's so important to have coaches and mentors outside of our family for our young men. And Dylan is one such man. So I really appreciate his perspective on this. If you have been enjoying the Dad Work Podcast, would you please leave us a review on Spotify or on Apple? Spotify allows you to leave a rating, and Apple, you can leave a rating and a review. It'll take literally five to 30 seconds of your time, and I would appreciate it so much. This is how we get this into the hands of more men who need it. If you'd like to stay in touch between podcast episodes, please follow me on Instagram, dadwork.curt. That's D-A-D-W-O-R-K dot C-U-R-T on Instagram. I post there regularly, add stories, and we can chat on there via messages if you want to get in touch. That's it for now. Let's get into episode number 88 with Dylan Ruse. Here we go. All right, dads, I'm here with Dylan Ruse. I'm excited to have you on because there's so much here that we're going to get into that is not usually what we talk about. It's from a way different perspective, but I think it's probably even more useful to hear it from you than from, you know, the other dads we talk about. And you'll hear why, guys, in a second. So, Dylan, first of all, welcome, man. I'm excited to have you on. I'm pumped about what you're doing. Just following your Instagram. So uh, thanks for being here. Thank you, mate. It's great to be here. Yeah, so the um, the first thing we want to talk about is this idea that you brought up coming onto the show, and you said a son's perspective on parenting. And I asked you, I was like, what does this even mean? And yet you touched on something which I think we forget as fathers so often. And I think there's almost two ways to look at this, but I'd love to hear more about what you think about this, because you were talking about like, you know how to parent if you just listened. Mm. And so can you go deeper into that and maybe start us off and like how we can look for parenting advice from our own children? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. The way that I've always thought about it when I was when I was kind of being parented by my parents growing up was like, why aren't they listening to me more? You know, and obviously sometimes I'm thinking that as a teenager, and I am dead wrong, of course. <laughs> so parents use some discernment when listening to your teenagers um, or your kids. But there was definitely moments where I'm like, man, I just wish that they would they would just listen to me or just take some time just to slow down. Um, I'm not the best communicator. And I think that's also what I want to touch on too, is like <clears throat> adults, men, mothers, fathers struggle to communicate at the best of times. So your teenage son or, or your sons or your, or your daughters, they're also going to, they're going to struggle even more. And so being really patient with it. But I think what, as I stepped into this space of mentoring young men, it was like, man, I, I really want to do a course for parents. I don't know, I don't know how it's going to pick up. I don't know how parents are going to go taking advice from me, but 
like in one of the first sentences of my sales copy, it's like, this is not a parenting course. I'm, I'm not a parent. But what I have been for basically my whole life is a son. And, and I think there's so much value to be found in just listening to a son's perspective of parenting. Because number one, who is going to be more critical of your parenting than, than your children? No one, probably. Maybe the grandparents, right? But So they're really critical. So that can open up so many doors to, if you're open to hearing, you can open so many doors to like, here are your weaknesses. You know, here are things that you can work on. Um, what are you going to do with that information? And I think, again, the average conversation kind of goes like, F you, mum, F you, dad, right, you're always doing this. And then the parents are like, how dare you confront me and go back at them. So this is more that safe container or I'm trying to create a safe container for parents where we, you know, through my Forging Kings program, we're like, hey, ask me, you know, it's a once a week Q&A with me and a once a week group coaching course. So once a week, you can just jump on and ask me any questions you want um, from the son's perspective. Again, I'm, I'm, I'll, maybe if you've got a parenting question, I can, I can answer them. But it's really about like, this is what your son's going through. You know, he's 16 years old. He's just had a crush on the weekend and she's told him that they just want to be friends. Like, don't downplay that experience. You know, I think that was definitely one thing that I uh, really upset me with my parents. And they're, I don't want to rip on my parents for the next 60 minutes. They were great parents and I'm really fortunate. Um, but they definitely downplayed my emotional responses. And I saw it play out with my friends and I see it play out in society. It's like, look, you're right because you're an adult and because you've been through everything. Like, you're right. Like, it's not a big deal. But it, it's a big deal to me, 16 years old, just going through that first breakup. It, it, it is a big deal. Like, I really like this girl or I really like this person. And, and so don't downplay the emotional response. I think it's about teaching our boys because that's just another layer to, to the work that I do. But that's another layer to the conversation around we don't allow our boys to feel, right? Even in that moment, it's like, do you want to teach your son just to get over it there's going to be other girls and then that carries throughout his whole life like that's that's a dangerous line of thinking and it's what i adopted for sure and it did not serve me in my early 20s and my and my later teenagers it did not serve me but do we want to teach them that or do we want to teach them oh man that 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 hurts like how how are you feeling like are you are you sad like how oh yeah like what well, how does it feel in your body you know like teaching them to explore and express their emotions because once we they're able to do that then it doesn't become a big deal because then they've healed whatever it is and so i think that's really important um and just yeah i think i think if you're in a relationship with someone which is what a, a parent is you're in a you have a parenting relationship with a son if you but if, if you're in a relationship with your partner and you're always going to your mates going, geez, I just don't know how I can support my partner more. And rather than going to your partner and going, hey, what do you need to feel more supported? Like, I guarantee your mates are going to try their best, but I guarantee you're going to get better answers from your partner. So that's the whole premise, I, I think. Um, th that's the foundation of, of what I'm trying to do with that program is like, hey, just like here, I'll, I'll be that good communicator i'm a bit older i've been through it all i've seen it all i'll be the good communicator so that we can smoothen out this process of the parent-son relationship um and hopefully help you guys as a result be able to 
to understand your sons more and then as a result of that be able to parent them um, from a place of you know knowledge and and empower, empowerment rather than like I've got no fucking clue what he's feeling and going through and like maybe I'll do this or maybe I'll do that it's like cool I'm I was the guinea pig I've been parented I've come out the other side let me tell you what worked and what didn't work that's such a cool perspective man and I was it's so funny that we're talking about this because literally this morning I was thinking about I always wanted to be the parent who didn't forget what it felt like to be a kid because mm. I had the same sort of experiences like dad weren't you a kid like weren't you my age like 20 something years ago like why, why have you suddenly forgotten this and i have taken that into my own parenting being like okay i remembered thinking this so don't lose what it was like to be a 10 year old or a 15 year old or a 20 year old because like we get into this weird relationship like you're talking about where as parents we're just like oh yes we lay down the law and everything just follows from that and it's like oh no there's actually a human being here yeah and i think we get into this weird relationship where we just try and lay down the law and then there's only one side and we never even stopped to ask. So maybe that that brings to mind just like how can we as parents even start that conversation coming from this like, oh, I don't know what's wrong. They never talk to me. Uh, is there a way to sort of get a communication uh, lubrication going in the first place? Yeah, I think. And again, again, so much of my work is based off of my own experience and just kind of watching what's going on. But I think one thing that parents do and then especially young men emulate later on is this like this wall of like everything's fine and so if you're trying to get your son i'm going to keep i'm going to keep using the word son but i'm sure that this is a is a the same with women i just or daughters sorry i just work with boys so i'm going to keep using that language for the for the listeners um but if you're continually coming home from work visibly stressed and then your son's like, how's your day at work? And you're like, yeah, it was fine. Like, how's your day at school? And your son is visibly stressed from school. Well, he's going to do exactly what you've just shown him to do. So I think one thing that parents, are, and I'm not sure what the mentality is, because again, I'm not a parent. I don't know what the mentality is as a dad or a mum. If it's, oh, I need to show my kid that everything's okay. I'm, I'm not sure, but be okay with showing them that things aren't okay. Because if you come home and you're stressed, you go, yeah, yeah, son, like, Work was a str- I had a stressful day today. Um, thank you for asking me. Uh, how was your day? The chances that he's then going to say, yeah, school was pretty stressful too, actually, and this is what happened. It, it skyrockets because vulnerability breeds vulnerability, and that's no different to parenting. Um, and so I think if you're trying to get the communication process uh lubricated as you said it's like start with what you can control you can't control your son's communication but you can control your own communication um i was i was so fortunate um that i got to witness my my dad's work firsthand so he was a professional athlete in australia and then he was a professional coach um and so I got to go into his work and kind of see his day to day and see how he bounced back and also have conversations around like it was pretty obvious when he had a bad day, right? His his team lost on the weekend. So it was pretty it's like that's not a good weekend. But he he was really good at two things. One, <clears throat> leaving his work at work. He did a really good job of not bringing that shit home and I hear through my work like a lot of 
parents and a lot of men just struggle with like, oh, I take it out on my partner or I take it out on my kids. So really struggle with that piece of like not bringing the work home. But because of the nature of the work, like I was in the change rooms um, in the 2006 grand final. So the Super Bowl or I'm trying to use Canadian terminology, but the, they were they made it all the way to the grand final. They lost and there I was in the change room surrounded by 30 men, some of them crying. You know, my dad's like, holding it together but you're visibly upset and so I think too it's like the piece that I learned from that was seeing my dad go through hard things and come out the other side as well as really it's really invaluable and I was so fortunate to see it because of just because of the work that dad did but remember when you're telling your sons to to go and do hard things they probably haven't seen you go and do hard things all like what they see is you leave for work and then they see you come home from work. They have no idea what you've done for nine hours. And so I was really fortunate where I was like, oh, I know exactly what my dad does for work. I know exactly how hard he works. I know exactly like how he handles a loss on the biggest stage in Australia. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So I think too, to bring it back to your question around communication was like I, I got to see it with my own eyes how he handled adversity and how he communicated through adversity. Um, and so that was so valuable for me as a young man too. It was like, great. Now, again, he probably could have done a better job of, of communicating out his struggles and the stress, but I could see it. I could see he was stressed and I could see him kind of hold himself together. And I think as men, again, I'm going to keep bringing it back to men, but that's a good quality to have is like through the adversity, you are a rock. Now, the other side of it is we do still need to feel what we need to feel. And that's the, the older generation um, has a lot of resilience and a lot of backbone, but probably can work on their emotional intelligence. Whereas the younger generations and the boys that I'm working with, their emotional intelligence is like far superior to mine at their age, but their resilience and backbone is, I mean, it's all some of the boys it's non-existent. So it's just really interesting to see in, in two, three generations it's done a complete flip in terms of what men or what boys need to. So um, that's that's been really interesting through my work. I just wanted to throw that in there. Wow. Oh, man. I I want to really go deep on that in some way. And yeah. I don't know if there's any deeper way to do that than what you just explained. But it reminds me to remind the dads listening that, like, it always starts with you. Mm. So parenting is not just this abstract thing that's a separate from you. Like your kids are the way you are because you are the way you are yep. and you're the way you are because your dad and your mom are the way they are. Like, it's very obvious. And somehow we forget about this. Like, oh, there's something wrong with them. Okay. Well, how are you showing up in your life that they can see? And it's like way more important, the modeling that they see rather than anything you say, especially when you don't model or say anything like that's so ridiculous. You're just modeling this neutral perspective. And I think one of the things you said in there is it, it, the way I heard it was being in this neutral, oh, it was fine, cheapens the experience of life in a way mm. because you never learn how to be really joyful. And at the same time, you never learn how to carry on when something bad happens. And perhaps that's all it is. But maybe I'll just toss it back to you and wonder if there's anything else that you're seeing that is leading to this lack of resilience. And are you actually able in your coaching to help these young men establish that? And how the heck do we do that? Because I'm continually struggling with that with my own sons mm. nine seven and two and maybe not struggle just very cognizant of it but how are you seeing young boys and young men adapt to become more resilient in this like super emotional age yeah um 
I mean, I can take this a couple different directions. So I, th- I think there's three or four main reasons to the lack of resilience now. The, the biggest one, and it's, and again, I don't, like, for a lot of men, the problem is the emotional intelligence piece. So I, I want to be careful with my word. I don't want to, I don't want to add fuel to the fire of, okay, good, I'm not showing my emotions. It's like, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. Um, it's like, a, so it's like a pendulum. So our, my, my dad's generation, my grandfather's generation, it was all backbone, all resilience, right? Like just fucking, just get on with it, harden up, toughen up, be a man, man up. Now it's swung in the complete different direction, which was like, how do you feel? And based on your feelings, that's where we're going to make decisions from. And that's not that's not at all where you want to be from. That like it's it's because these these boys they're focused on motivation. They're focused on like why can't I get the desire to do these things? It's like well, dude, like if I only did things based off of what I want to do, I'd still be playing PlayStation in my parents' like house, just kind of cruising because that's what I'd want to do. You know, like that's an easy life i came from i came from money i came from a good family there was no reason for me to move out other than that's what you need to be doing which is finding meaning in your life and so that's the biggest reason the biggest cause for it is our society so focused on feelings now which again it's the pendulum right and i think we'll in the next 10 or 20 years we'll, we'll find that middle ground where great we've we've got the balance of resilience we've got the balance of heart right and that's where we want to be as a society and that's where we want to be as men so that's definitely one thing the second thing is and this has been around for i mean hundreds and hundreds of years so it's not new but um again because we've stepped out of resilience and into emotional intelligence it's, it's definitely just as important now as it's always been which is this lack of rites of passage this lack of hey you are now a man or you're now on your journey to manhood and taking young boys through a, a, a rites of passage um i mentioned to you before we jumped on the podcast like i'm gonna be a dad in <clears throat> come july and i was speaking with my business partners the other day and we do this check-in we do like a, a wind challenge lesson for our week and i was going I've lived 27 years as a boy and I'm realizing that now because over almost overnight I've had to go and step into this role of provider protector and father to be and it's like that's a lot of responsibility like I looked to one year ago less six months ago right I was making good money cruising solo doing my own thing and then you know as I said like two, three months ago, I found out that I'm going to be a father and it's like, oh, wow, okay, okay, what do I have to do now? Okay, well, I got to sort rent, I got to sort the bills, I got to sort this, I've got to take care of my partner's emotional responses because they are warranted. And then it's also like, well, what kind of partner, what kind of experience do I want to give my partner? Like, do I want to be pushing her through this time to be like, hey, babe, like, you need to be resilient and get through this. Like, no, I want her to be like, hey, you, if you want to lie in bed all day and that's how you need to show up today because you're vomiting or you're doing things, then do that. But what does that mean? Well, that means I need to step up more. I need to go do the housework. I need to go and make more money. I need to go and do more things and take on more responsibility. So, and I, and I vastly look at the last 27 years as a societal thing, a cultural thing around we have 
we've demonized integrity, we've demonized honor, we've demonized masculinity. And as a result, we're wondering, like, well, where are all the masculine men? And it's like, well, you've just demonized all these things for 20 years. It's no, and you've, and you've propped up, um, you've propped up, I refer to it as like boy psychology, right? You've propped up like go and drink and go and sleep around and go and like just enjoy yourself and have fun. And that's like, and go and act like an idiot on social media because you'll get thousands of millions of followers and millions of dollars. It's like we propped up just horrible values and ideals. And so now we've got boys that are basing their decisions off of how they feel and are not willing to take on responsibility and lack that, as I said, lack the, um, the, the rites of passage into like, Hey, you're now a man. What does that mean? This is what it means. Um, and then the third point is just the community aspect of it. We've, we've, we've lost community. We've lost like uncles and friends and, and, and neighbors raising our kids. And so it's now like you're in this singular household with maybe your grandparents and maybe a couple aunts and uncles that help you raise it. But, and then the, what the kids are doing is they're looking outside the family unit. And again, they're looking to really shitty role models like TikTok and Instagram and uh, the two main platforms now. Actually, Snapchat's really big. And like the stuff on there, it's just, it's, if you wanted to highlight the dumbest people of society, you just have to go on there. But then, we value fame and we value money. So we, we now value idiocy and it's, it's, it's just bizarre. So I think it's, it's the community, the rites of passage that we, we do things, how we feel and this demonization of, of mask. Again, I'm going to speak to the boy experience, but this demonization of masculinity. And so a lot of strong men have kind of just gone, okay, I'm, I'm looking at it, the bigger picture of society I'm now no longer going to show up in society as a strong man. I'm just going to look after my family and I'm just going to look after because it's too dangerous for me to step out there. I'm not, I'm not valued anymore. So I'm just going to recede into the shadows. And it, sometimes it's even worse. It's like you, the strong men become weak men and then we're losing this. And then we've got less role models again. So it, that, there's those three, four pieces I see are the reason in the shift between the older guys that I work with through my other business momentum, where we work with 35 years plus, um, they are all, not all, but majority of them are pretty resilient and they're trying to tap more into like, my partner doesn't think that I communicate well and I'm not sure how I feel. And so we work with them in there and the boys that I work with are very much around like, okay, man, like you don't feel like going to school today. You have to, like that's that's life. Like sometimes you have to do these things that you don't want to do and you know what's what are you worried about let's explore your anxiety let's let's build the confidence piece back up um and then i mean to make it even more relevant to recently like covid's just absolutely fucked everyone's kids up because not again not everyone I'm, I'm, that's an absolute but um like two years of not going to school two years of online learning two years of wearing masks two years of not not being out in the world socializing and failing at socializing and then learning how to better socialize like man i feel for the kids I, I i feel for the kids i feel for the parents too like they had to be parents they had to be workers they had to be full-time teachers they had to do all these things i feel for the teachers that had to do online learning like it's just it was not good the last two years for anyone 
Yeah, man. Thank you for all of that. Is there, uh, are you seeing things that are motivating these young guys to actually start doing things? Um, or do you have to like maybe approach them through that emotion? Like you just said, like exploring the anxiety, um, like with the thing that comes to mind is like, you know, the Jordan Peterson, like make your bed or whatever that is, you know, like, uh, set expectations. Mm. And that's why we get our kids to do that kind of stuff. You know, you have to make your bed. Oh, why? Like, just, you got to make your bed because it's one thing that you do every day that you can be expected to do that starts your day off, right. That Mm. completes a task. And I expect it of you. And I think that's what I'm hearing in this like loss of initiation is there's no expectations. And then, like you mentioned before, I talked about this on a recent podcast, um, which I'm not sure when it's going to come out with the mindful mama, I think it's called. And it's like, on the one hand, men are villainized because by other men typically for having emotions like, oh, you're such a wuss. You know, you, you have feelings. Oh, you must mm. be a woman. And then on the other side, it's like, oh, no, no, no. Masculinity is actually toxic, bro. So you better not be that either. So it's like, what do we do? So you get in this weird middle place where it's like, I'll just do nothing and yeah. become like useless. And that's yeah. terrible. So mm. I know that's like two different directions. But um, yeah, is there anything else that helps boys actually like do stuff? And, um, you know, maybe, maybe just go mm. from there. I've, I've got more uh, suggestions after, but let's start there. I think it's 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 really about it's it's really about trading them and I don't I don't even I really don't think it matters what age they're at I mean it's really about trading them like an adult in as much a capacity as you can again using discernment right don't let them at 9 years old go hit the town right like let's be smarty but so I, I think it's about communicating with them and getting to know your son as an individual and, and I, I, or daughter. Um, and so finding what, what do they value, okay? Oh, I really, like, what are their values? Where do they see themselves in five years' time? And if they can't see that far ahead, de- helping them develop that vision of, like, hey, you do, hey, hey, dude, like, you do not have to have your whole life figured out, but is there something that you think you would like to do? Oh, I think I would like to be an athlete. Great, man. Cool. Like, why? And really, like, getting clear and helping them develop their vision, helping them develop their values. Because then, when you're trying to get your son to make his bed in the morning, and you don't understand any of those things, and you're you're kind of throwing different reasons as to why you should do it, and nothing's sticking versus, okay, well, mate, like, you want to be a professional basketball player okay, well, you, do you think LeBron James makes his bed in the morning? Or do you think he just has a messy room and wakes up and leaves his room messy? Oh, he, he probably makes his bed. Cool. Well, do we want to be like LeBron James or do we want to not be like LeBron James? Oh, I, I want to be like LeBron James. Yeah, cool. Well, let's start really simple. Let's start with making our bed in the morning. Um, so that's just a way that you can... That's that's what I do in my work. It's like we do these we do these steps. We build we figure out their values. We figure out their kind of like rough five year plan of like where do you, where do you see yourself in five years, and then it becomes super easy to motivate them because I'm not trying to throw shit against the wall. I'm just saying, hey man, like you've told me that you value discipline. You you value it. I didn't tell you that you value discipline. You told me that. So if you value discipline, what does someone who value discipline do? they make their bed in the morning. That's what they do. Cool. So you go and make your bed in the morning then. And it's really about, again, we as adults can make that link before I'm even done with the sentence. You've made the link of like, okay, cool. This is what Dylan's about to say. They're, they're kids. They don't make the link. They have, 
especially young boys like what we we say all the time we're like oh how again we it, it's again similar to what you just said on we say don't feel emotions but also masculinity is toxic we we know that young boys aren't great at navigating their emotions and are slower at developing and communicating than than girls we know this but we treat them like as soon as they start to kind of grow into manhood like they get a little bit of fuzz they get a little bit taller get a deeper voice we treat them like adults like and it's so bizarre it's so bizarre to see this like well half the time we're going to treat you like you need to put your hand up in class to go to the bathroom. And the other half of the time, we're going to expect you to know things that we haven't taught you. And it's it's the most bizarre thing to witness on a societal level because it happens across media and across just general society, but also in, internally in the family dynamic. It's like, but you, haven't, you haven't tapped into this. You haven't taught them this. You haven't educated them this. I, I was on this men's page And it's, again, I'm really fortunate in the circles that I grew up because sometimes I feel like, oh, wow, I thought we moved, I thought we moved past that, but we haven't. And someone posted like something about, oh, I saw my son watching porn. Um, He's 13 or something. Like, how do I start having conversations about this? And at least 50% of the comments were like, yeah, good. Like, let him just watch porn. That's how he'll learn about it. And that's... For the record, that is the worst advice you could possibly give in that conversation. Like, the, the, there's no worse advice to say, go and learn about sex through porn. There's there, flat out the worst advice I'd ever read. I'm like, man, here's like this men's community who do a, like a lot of good, like men are posting and it's awesome to see. And the advice is like, there's no worse advice to give than that advice. <laughs> so I was like, man, okay, cool. Like, I thought we were past this, but we're not. Um, and so, uh, it's, I don't know where I was going with that, but it's just, it's just interesting to see this. Oh, that's where I was going with it. Like we need to have those conversations and especially the hard conversations we need to be having. Cause otherwise young boys are going to look to porn. They're going to look to their mates. And if they look to porn and they look to their mates, they don't know what that they're not good areas to go to. If you're lucky, they've got good friends. Why do they have good friends? Because their parents are having those conversations with those boys. So that's what makes them good friends. So if you want your son to be a good friend to other boys as well, so have those conversations. Hey, this is... And it's uncomfortable. I run a week in my Prince of the King on like consent and sex and um, and girls and social. And like, it isn't... It's an unco- it doesn't get more comfortable the more times you have it. It just... You're just reminded how important these conversations are each time you do because... No one's having these conversations. Parents are kind of, again, I'm generalizing. I don't want to bastardize anyone in this situation, but I'm generalizing in terms of some parents are like looking to the school system to educate. The school system is like, well, this isn't really our place to educate on this. This is more of a personal thing. So families should. And then some families are like, ah, they'll learn it from just out in the ether. (laughs) It's like, man, we need to be learning this. We need to be teaching this stuff directly to them. And back to what Jordan, you know, back to a great cliche. It's like control what you can control. You can control the education piece. Absolutely. You can educate your kids around any topic that you want to. Um, It just takes you to educate them. Yeah. Going back to that post that you mentioned before, like bring judgment back to parenting, man. Mm. Like we can't just go through thinking that, oh, you know, it's really hard to parent. I just, 
I don't know, I had a hard day. I just, I'm just going to have some wine watching Netflix. Like that's such a fucking cop out. Like you have to be taking these hard things and doing them. And it's really hard for this generation. I understand as part of the generation who's having children right now to do this because we didn't get any of this. You know, we're, I, I, I like to consider at least, you know, around my age ish as being the one sort of in the middle. You know, we had, our parents, typically coming from the boomers who were just the resilient type, uh, they sort of went the other way. And then, I don't know, there's just this like disconnect there. And so we're sort of starting, or at least I feel I'm starting from scratch in many ways. And being able to have these conversations are like one of the things that I'm most fearful about, but also like absolutely committed to doing. There's no way that I'm going to wait till TikTok teaches them anything like Oh man. And it's like my oldest is nine and I'm like, Oh, I don't have to worry about like the cell phone question for like four or five years. Right. He's got people in his class with cell phones. I'm like, what yeah. are you for real? And they're looking at TikTok. Like, no, we had to talk to him about this. Like, yeah. Hey, just so you know, like, I know you don't really get this yet, but TikTok's basically evil and it's like, mm. like stay off of it, you know? Yeah. And it's like one of those weird things that is happening earlier and earlier. And mm. um, I just want to go like way back real quick to this pendulum idea, because this is like the core of everything that I'm trying to do right now. I started doing this work probably for a similar reason, which is like, I see the guys on one side going like, just be better, bro. Like alpha lift weights, cool hunt. And then on the other side, I saw these like spiritual flow bros who were like, oh, just be in the moment and let everything be. And it's like, okay, it's good to access both of those at the right time, but you need, mm. as you said multiple times now, discernment. And so what I've tried to do in my life is just come back to the center of balance and go, okay, when do I need to use each? And then I feel like, like I literally feel like a more complete masculine man now that I have both those pieces of the equation. And one of the things I'm touching on as well is I can't be everything to my sons. I shouldn't be. And you said this. There was uncles, grandparents, men in the community that would have been in the tribe or in the village or whatever. And I am looking now to what men in my life can influence my sons. Mm. And so let's talk now about the importance of a role that you play, which is to be outside the family unit with these tools, mentoring young men. Mm. So can you talk about your work in general, and then maybe just on a meta sort of perspective, talk about like why this is so important to go outside of the family sometimes, not that the father shouldn't have, you know, ultimate control and ultimate say, but man, you play an important role. So let's go there. Yeah. So, so the work that I've been doing for the last two years is through my Prince to King mentoring program which is for 14 years and up young boys um and it's a 10-week program uh one-on-one -on -one mentoring and it's essentially the foundation and the tools and the knowledge and the education that i wish i had in that period of time from 14 years to again i work with up to 25 so in that time period because there's, there's a lot going on there's a there's a lot going on i think i mentioned to you before the podcast started like we downplay those experiences because we understand that the game of life is is played on a bigger field. But we only know that because we're adults and we've we've been through that stage. But as someone who's just like I've just left that period, I'm 27 years old. Um, it's real. It's in a really important period of time, you know, because you're figuring yourself out, like you're forging your identity. Who am I? How do I play out in the larger world? And for a lot of boys, we struggle once... I'm not sure what the Canadian schooling system is like. I'm pretty familiar with the American schooling system, so I imagine it's quite similar. But, like, you have so much structure in high school. It's like you wake up at 8 or you, like, you wake up at 7. You might have, like, basketball training before school and then you go to school and you are like, I know what I'm doing with every minute of my day in school. Then you and that works really well. 
you then leave high school, and again, I'm not sure, you, you have two or three, you've got three or four months between high school ending and then the start of your uni or college experience. And that's a completely, it's not nothing like high school. It's like you can't, you can choose to go to classes, but you don't have to. You can choose to do it online. You don't have to. Um, and the structure is not really there. And no one's following high school. At, you go into class. Okay, guys, everyone hand your homework up. You didn't do your homework. All right, here's a detention to go and do your homework this afternoon. Uni's just like, oh, you didn't do this, the assignment? Oh, we've, no, we've already marked you for that. It was due last week. We've already marked you. So there's so, it's just so much going on in that in that time period. Um, navigating girls or or navigating the dating scene, navigating in Australia, it's 18 when you can legally start drinking. So now you're navigating alcohol, um, definitely drugs. Like you're definitely navigating drugs. Like again, from, from my experience, it was my first party I went to at 15. The girls were sneaking off into the bathroom and I was so naive. Like my first party at 15, so naive. I, I remember I was trying to get put something to wear and I was like, oh, I'm not going to wear jeans Everyone will be wearing jeans. I'm going to wear board shorts. So I put my board shorts on and some and some tennis shoes. Rocked up to the party. And I'll never forget this. First party and there's one of my best mates. And I'm walking around and I'm thinking like, cool, I'm standing out. I'm wearing board shorts. Like no one's wearing board shorts to a party. Because um, <laughs> that's what I valued. I valued being unique. I valued standing out. And I was a fairly confident kid, which was great to my parents um, credit they really instilled confidence which side note I've thought about this a lot that has to be the number one thing that I will be instilling into my kid is confidence because from a lack of confidence is peer pressure from a lack of confidence is anxiety from a lack of confidence is like if you and, and the peer pressure piece is big like if I was so I'm kind of going on a real weird tangent here I hope you don't mind but because I was confident I didn't drink in high school. It was, I was like, I'm not going to, no, no. And I never cared what, I, I didn't care enough about what peop, other people thought. I more cared what I thought and I more cared what my family dynamic thought. I had a lot of respect for my parents and how they did their, they did life. And so that really helped me navigate peer pressure where it, it honestly did not affect me for a lot of areas in my life. I took a lot of like I crashed parties and snuck out of the house, and but I look back and I go, those were risky behaviours, but they fell in the acceptable level of risk, um, which I can go on a tangent there as well. But anyway, so the confidence was big, so I've, I've put these board shorts on, and this girl I hear talking, and she says my name, and she's like, oh, Dylan, Dylan's like looking, Dylan looks so good, and I like turned to her, and I'm like, oh, like what'd you say? She goes, she turns, and she goes. Nice shoes, dickhead. <laughs> and I've just gone, fuck me. So I've gone and taken my shoes off and I like put them in a corner. I just walked around the party barefoot um, for the rest of the day. It was so funny. I'll never forget it. Um, um, so the confidence was big for me, though, because I just never fell into the into the peer pressure. Um, so they're navigating all this. Again, they're navigating all this stuff at, at this age and they're they People again. People downplay the need to be cool. It's it's not the need to be cool. It's the need to be accepted by your peers. It's the need to belong. Um. So it's it it, it looks like you're just trying to be cool. It's 
change the language to say, oh man, my son's trying to fit in here and he's not doing a good job at it. That's that's language that you can work with rather than like, stop trying to be cool, you're acting like a dickhead. No, it's, it's so much deeper than that. He's trying to fit in with his peer group. Maybe it's the wrong peer group. Cool, address that then. But don't downplay the need for human beings to belong. Um, and so you're just navigating a lot. So I, I'm able to come in there as the outside mentor and communicate with them similar things to what their parents are saying. I, I say this on the calls with parents. It's like, I'm not bringing any wild new ideas to the table. It's just, I'm not you guys. And that's the number one thing is I'm not a, I'm not his parents. So I remember I held like a mini event last year in Melbourne where I brought parents and kids that I'd worked with to, to the thing. And one of the dads puts me son. He's like, oh, mate, I've been trying to get my son to wake up early on weekends for years. And three weeks into your program, he's waking up early. What did you say? And I go, mate, I'm not saying anything different. It's just not coming from you because... And to your point um, before around like, dad, don't you remember what it was like to be 10, 15, 20? I have just come out of that stage. I have the most vivid memory of it. I still am kind of in that stage with my dad where as I'm trying to be my own man and step out, especially as he was such a, he ha- he was so famous in Australia. So I, it like my identity piece has been something that I've been working through for a long time because of that. But um you don't want to listen to your parents so much to the point that even when they tell you something that you know is right, you would rather do the opposite because at least you're making the decision for yourself and you'll learn something. You're not thinking of that way. It's really just mum and dad are telling me to do something. Now I'm going to go do the opposite, right? So, and that's not always the case, but it is for for a lot of instances and a lot of cases is this desire to, and it's not, a desire to do the opposite of your parents. It's a desire to have sovereignty over your own life. And something that you, you said before, which kind of triggered this thought, is your son's nine. When do you start to open him up to adult themes and adult ideas? When's like, when's like oh, just be a kid. And when's like, okay, you, you've been a kid for a bit too long now now it's time to kind of grow up a little bit and the balancing act and I watch a lot of uh, like I watch like the Viking shows and like the medieval shows and it's like the modern era has only really been around for 60 years where kids can be kids until they're 18 like I said I was a boy until 27 right um that's relatively new. You you go back, uh, what are we, 2020? You go back 100 years. You were working at like eight years old in a fucking horrible environment shoveling coal at eight. Like, you you know, by 12, you were drinking. Like So this modern idea of when do you start to open your kids up to like bigger themes, it's something that really... Um, fascinates me and I'm looking forward to that challenge as I as I have my son it's like when do I tell him to when I start to to initiate him into manhood and when's like 12 13 seems like a good time I think because that's when they step into high school at least in Australia and I tell parents I'm like that once they get to in Australia year 70 year 12 
once they're in year seven, they're now having conversations with year 12s. So anything that a year 12 is privy to, porn, sex, girls, drugs, alcohol, the 12-year-old's having those conversations now. So that's kind of where I go, okay, that's a good time to step. But it's such an interesting conversation, as you brought up. It's like when this new modern era is kind of really allowed boys to stay boys and girls to stay girls. So it's, it is interesting that that... Um, chat that challenge of when do you open them up to more ideas <laughs> do you have a hard stop at 12 or 10 no not at all i can i can keep going i can keep going okay just a few more minutes then i don't want to go too much farther but um man this um this touched on so much i've, I've got like a whole page of notes and we're only like 40 minutes in <laughs> we can um, go as lo- i love these conversations <laughs> we can keep going the um a couple of things that came up one confidence i just want to like reiterate that mm. is absolutely massive um I I'm kind of curious, like why you respected your parents so much. So that's that's one piece. I'll come back to it in a sec. Um, acceptance is a huge piece, mm. and for more on that, rather than just trying to be cool and ended up being a dickhead, uh, there's a book called Brainstorm by Dr. Dan Siegel. He wrote uh, The Power of Showing Up, which is perhaps my favorite book on attachment parenting, um, making sure that you have a secure attachment mm. by making sure your children feel safe, seen, soothed, and uh, therefore secure. And um, one of the things that came to mind when you're talking about like, oh, he'd listen to anyone but the father or the parents is there's a quote and I, I'm, I'll try and find it to put it in the show notes. I'll try and uh, source it. can't remember who it was, but it was like when I was 20, I didn't think my father knew anything. Now that I'm 30, I realized how much the bastard learned in the last 10 years. You know, it's like, it's it's not about like what we have learned at all. It's just like this, something in us needs us not to be our parents at this particular Mm. age. And there's beauty in that because there's this freedom, there's a creativity, all of these things that happen in adolescence are for a reason. And I think finally that point, maybe we'll get into this after. Um, So why don't we do this? Let me just pause for a second. Why did you respect your parents? Because I would love to know, how do I get my kids to continue to respect me? Um, And then would love to talk about, um, I forgot to know, I'll get to it later. (laughs) So why did you respect your parents? We'll start there. I asked my dad this question maybe a year ago. I was like, what? Because I was navigating this work and I was like really trying to get to the bottom of it. I was like, why? Why? Was the big question. And he, he, my dad's response was, well, you, I always had a strong moral code. I always, always had a strong sense of what was right and what was wrong. So there, there was that piece that I, 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 I even, um, I think Jordan Peterson t- touches on this a lot. It's like you can't really lie to yourself like because you know when you're lying to yourself. And so I think I was really uncomfortable with lying to myself at an early age. Um, so there was that. I had a strong moral code. Now, why did I have a strong moral code? Um, <clears throat> I think my parents did a good job of standing up for what was right. I have a lot of memories of them having difficult conversations with family members and like and uh outside people and like conversations which maybe were too adult for me at the time but i definitely didn't think so and they clearly didn't and so they kind of instilled in me values and that was a real big touching point in my early childhood was like talking about values like again my dad was a professional athlete and then a professional coach um and one of the most famous ones in australia and so it was it was he he instilled into us at an early age like everything you do is your brand i remember that especially when i was in high school it was like everything you do is your brand 
and it reflects back onto the family, not just yourself. And that was because he was famous, right? Like if I, and I'll take, I'll fast forward you to when I was 21 years old, I got done for drink driving in Australia, right? So I got done for drink driving, um, tried to hide it. I was like, okay, I was in Sydney. My parents were in Melbourne. I was like, oh, I'm just going to, this will just, it'll just kind of go away. It's fine. The police told me what to do. They're not lawyers. Don't listen to police. Go get a lawyer. <laughs> Another mistake. Um, and then a month later, I had my court date. I called up. Hey, I'm pleading guilty. Dylan Ruse, my court date's tomorrow. Hang up. Next day, I'm at work doing work experience. I get a phone call from my dad. Dylan, did you get done for drink driving a month ago? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, we we should have lunch. I was like, fuck. <laughs> Hang up. Right. So And it was all in the papers. So it was papers, radio articles i had people messaging me like haha you got done for drink driving you're an idiot and i was like oh wow so i knew that it like i knew it growing up i knew your brands everything and then i got to 21 got done for drink driving and then it was like now i know it's like now i know it i teach it to the boys like i have a week where i share that story with the guys and i'm like hey like your brand is like everything that you do is reflected and i link it to social media as well because you you know especially when they get to 18 it's like you look at the average 18-year-old's Instagram, it's just them drinking every weekend. And it's like, what's that say about your brand? That That is your brand. And so there was that piece. Um, and the final and definitely the most important piece was my parents never asked of me things that they weren't doing. Like they were the they were very good role models. So when they when I was 14 and going to parties and they would give me like a gentle reminder of like, okay, don't drink. It, it wasn't on my radar because I'd never seen them drink. I'd, they didn't drink themselves. So they weren't sitting there with a glass of wine every night at dinner saying, Dylan, don't drink. Because then cognitively, for me, that would have been like, well, don't drink, but you're drinking. So I don't respect what you're saying. And that's, that's really big. I, hey, Dylan, you need to wake up early and go for a run. Dad, you're, you're 30 kilos overweight. I'm not going to go for a run. So I get. I think it, it really ties into your point. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm 27. Parenting's the hardest job in the world, right? It, it's, it's so hard. Um, but you ha- you, no, one, no one goes into parenting thinking it's going to be easy. Like we all know it's the hardest job in the world. Everyone tells you it's really hard. You're, you're helping grow a human being and and make them acceptable and make them, you know, worthy people to enter society. I just think a lot of people go into parenting thinking they know that, but then it gets hard and they hand their toddler an iPad for four hours a day. And then they they drink at the end of the day and, and they stop working out. It's like my dad was, a, again, I was really lucky. My dad was a professional athlete. He ran with me and was fitter than me until I was like 15 or 16. And I was, I was really fit and dad was fitter so whenever dad said mate get you get your ass off the couch we're going for a run it was we are going for a run he would run with me and my brother every day he would be in the driveway shooting baskets with me and my brother every day he would be the one taking the footy out and going for a kick with me every day so there was so the respect was i'm seeing i'm seeing you do it every single day who am I to not try to live up to my dad's expectations? Who am I to not try to live up to my dad's bar that he set? And it was fucking great. It was, it was again, there's, there was cons to his parenting and there was cons to 
like what we went through as kids, but definitely the pros were like, man, I, I saw it day in, day out that he didn't drink, that he exercised every day, that he came home, he made time for family. We sat, we had dinner every day as a family. We once a week would go out for coffee before, or we'd go for breakfast before primary school. So he would take, again, he, he, he was really fortunate that he could do that, but he made a point of doing it. When I went to kindergarten, he would be the dad that would, he just, it was so funny, like, it was normal for us, but then I look back and I'm like, that's so normal. He was the only dad. He'd come and he had a really good relationship with my kindergarten teacher and he'd just walk into class and be like, hey, do you need like some help? And he'd sit up the back and sharpen pencils or like read us books, like read the class books. Like he was, he was around. And then I had my mom who was a stay-at-home mom, which is being demonized in the feminist community, which is a, a fucking joke because even now as I'm seeing my partner just be pregnant, like you're growing a human being. That's your job. You don't need to do anything else. Let me figure out a way to make more money and do my job. That's my role, right? So they demonized the stay-at-home mum and it's like, that was mum. Mum made us lunches. She drove us to school. She took us to training. She did the taxes. She did the housework. She did fucking plenty and she was around a lot as well. So we were just really fortunate that we got to... There was no disconnect. There was no like, you need to do this. And we were going in the back of our mind, but you don't do it. It was always like, it was really hard. It was hard because we're like, oh, fuck, mom and dad do it. So I guess we should do it too, right? Even I'd be out at a, a friend's place and his dad, his parent, their parents would be away or something. And I just would have this knowing of like, I need to tell my parents that there's no adults here. And I need to ask for permission to stay. And, I'd, and knowing that they're probably going to say no. And it was really hard because I'd be having a great time. It'd be me and three mates and three girls. And I'd be like, oh, fuck, there's one, two, three of us, one, two, three of them. And we're all going to stay over. This is some 15, 16. This is great. Like, and all my mates like, don't call your parents. Just just tell them that the, the parents aren't there. Just tell them that Jim's here. Just tell them that Bob's here. Rah, rah. And I'd be like, no, like I, I, I just, I needed to call my parents. Like, hey, dad, I'm at blah, blah, blah's place. Can I stay the night? Are their parents there? no there's no parents but we're fine we're safe and we, we you know we would get into arguments it wasn't like i'd just be like cool dad like i respect you and i love you and like i'm on my way home it was like no like dad what do you what do you think's gonna happen like i was getting angry and it was aggressive but i had the respect to pick up the phone and call him and face that face the music i guess of knowing i knew i knew he wasn't gonna let me stay but it was like that sliver of hope, maybe. I, and I couldn't lie. I, so I think it was the respect came from just seeing them live their doctrine. They just live their doctrine day in, day out. Um, mm. Man, that's such a great reminder about what a role model you can be as a father and the consequences of not being that. Mm. Because, we, I mean, we see it everywhere. Mm. I think, like, myself included, like, I am the result of not having exactly the role model that I that I wished and having to do a lot of that work myself now. And, like, that's the whole point of this whole project for me is, like, dads, to be a better father, you have to be a better man. Like, just mm -hmm. starts with that. If yep. you want your kid to grow up and do all these things, like, how are you teaching him this? And mm -hmm. is there a disconnect? I really am so grateful that you shared that because that was a powerful story, man. Like just seeing how it plays out in your life and how it's like actually been very intentionally thought through and to yeah. come back and just like, in a way, honor your parents. Um, mm -hmm. And I agree full heartedly in the, you know, the power of a stay at home mother and the importance of that. That's what my wife mm -hmm. does. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, damn, it's not an easy job. Like I am so yeah. fortunate that I get to go do this and be the provider and all that kind of stuff. But 
it's just the way that it works, mm. you know, and there's no, there's no sense arguing that. And, you know, I'm sure I'll get canceled for even saying that too bad. Um, but man, it, it's important to notice where your strengths are and then step into that. Um, are there any I'm, other I'm, things? And my brother was the same too. So again, I really want to make sure it was like, it was my parents that really set that up. Cause it wasn't like I was doing everything. Like I was the one and my brother wasn't, it was like, no, my, my little brother was doing the same thing too. He wasn't drinking. He, I think he even, Lasted long. I think I might. Have, I started drinking when I was like seventeen. Again, it's eighteen in Australia, but seventeen was when I kind of started to drink. And then I think my brother might have even lasted even longer than me. Like he was. Like we both had that respect. And and on top of that, I think all parents put your kids in sports. Like sports is is huge. Like Saturday Sunday, I don't want to drink because I've got to play sport tomorrow morning. Um, so, but it, but it was both because I had teammates that would rock up hungover at like 16, 17 and I'd be like, dude, we're playing a game. What are you doing? And I think that was the disconnect that we, me and my brother didn't have. Yeah, that's so powerful, man. I love that. Um, the other thing that I was going to just tie in, the thing that I forgot earlier was just that like age to initiation. Mm. And <clears throat> I wonder if there's other things that you've noticed that, you know, good fathers of the boys you're working with do maybe just close out on this because a few things come to mind for me and I shared this story before, but we or I have been reading to my sons books that are like way outside of their, you know, ability to comprehend. So mm. we read... Um, the Odyssey by Homer. We read The Hobbit. We're reading Musashi right now, which is a samurai epic. And they're like nine and seven. We've been doing this for the last couple of years. But man, it opens up their possibility to what it looks like to be a man because then we'll have discussions. Mm. What did you learn about being a man mm. from, um, you know, the whatever the Odysseus? And mm. what do you learn from this group of men working together in The Hobbit? And what do you see about, you know, the way of the samurai as he's making these sacrifices? What does that what does that feel like to you? What kind of things do you think they value? And so being able to do things like that are so intentional because one of the things that I've noticed in this modern age is, you know, even as kids like you and me would have just, we had to watch commercials. We would have had to watch what was on television. So like shit would come on that we'd just go like, oh, never even thought of that interesting and that can lead to just new tangents of thought and eventually perhaps it's good down the line but our kids now like man put peppa pig on and it's peppa pig for 12 hours straight and they never get anything else right <laughs> and so for me part of my job as a parent now in this modern age is to be the one intentionally introducing new ideas mm. and so i think that's part of my role in initiating them to be like look how big the world is look at all these other amazing men and these figures in history or these you know in these books even and then I'll have to do more things. Like I just taught my oldest to build a fire the other day. Uh, we're getting them into fishing and we're doing all these things, making sure that they have things to work toward and to grow into. Uh, but do anything else come up when it comes to the idea of like maybe leading up to the age of initiation, maybe putting expectations on our kids? Have you seen anything work with these young guys as they move through and become sort of young men? Um... a good question um i think it's just the importance of male role models for young men it's it it just comes back to that i don't think there's any magic recipe i i just think it's male role models and that's nothing against female role models like it's definitely important to have female role models and i only really realized that in how my 
relationships with women played out in my 20s and how I viewed women in my 20s and I've been working really hard to to work through that stuff especially with my partner now and especially with like I'm gonna have a son but I want to have more kids like maybe I'll have a daughter one day so female role models are really important but definitely male role models because every young boy wants to become a young man it's it's in our DNA and I just wrote a I just wrote a post about it actually just a couple of days last week and it's like we it's like something that burns it's like you get to this age and you're like I want to be a man and that's I just want to be a man I want to be seen as a man like let me be a man and that's the way that as parents can cultivate a positive young boy into a young man is by having positive examples of men around. Um, again, I, I grew up in a football club. Like I had no shortage of young of, of male role models. You know, like my I had some of Australia's best football players babysitting me and my brother when we were young. Like we were so fortunate to have these these male role models, and I think that's the best way you can support your young boys in in this transition transitory processes and it's not it's it's not a slight on you as a parent to to say that i need people around me it's it's actually the sign of a really good parent to humble yourself and step out of your ego and go like i have some really great because hopefully you've got good friends around you and that you would want your kids to if you don't go get new friends like if you don't want your son hanging out with your friends you're surrounding yourself with dickheads but hopefully you've got some good friends around you that you can go hey go spend a day with with my mate brett right go spend a day with him and what do you want me to do with your kid do whatever you want like go kick the footy with him go Go take him to the shopping mall, like whatever it is, but just go spend some time with him and, and chat to him. Like, and if you've got good friends, they're not even going to ask you what do you want me to do with him. They'll just go back. Cool, man. Let's go. We're going to go do this for the day, and they're going to take them for the day, and they'll learn things. They'll see how that that man acts. They'll they'll pick things up. It's it's so much about what they do and not about what they say. Kids don't pay attention to what you say. I don't think so. They they pay attention to what you do way more than what you say. So. That's definitely the, the number one thing is just getting other role models around. That's so good, man. I'm glad that you simplified it there because, yeah, I, I'm obviously everyone wants the the simple tactics like, oh, I'm yeah. do that, add that <laughs> to my daily routine. But it just comes back like there's no getting away from it, guys. You need to be a good role model and then you need to give your children other good role models, role models, masculine role models. And that's why. I love that you're doing what you're doing and I want to find more men doing this because when it comes time for me to send my kids out there to find men like you, like, yes, I will bring my friends and yes, I will ask them to be around. Mm. And that's one of the most important parts of my own journey recently is like, I finally started inviting friends into my life. I'm mm. no longer this, you know, lone wolf and the kids get to see it. They get to see what it's like to have like men come into the house and just be jovial and to be yeah. like loving and supportive. And so I, I just, I, I hope that more of the men listening give this a consideration in terms of finding a mentor like Dylan, finding friends or uncles or grandfathers, elders, find other people in your community that your kids can learn from because you are not a perfect human being, dads. Mm, you know, yeah. at least I'm not. I don't know anyone else who is. And so where can you fill in your gaps? Invite other men into your children's lives. I would say that's like, that's the, maybe the number one thing to take from this mm. is like be a role model and then find the role models that 
would support your role modeling. Mm. Um, is there anything else you want to add before we get into like where people can find you and what you're doing? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a really good exercise to get clear on what kind of child you wish your child to become. So like what, like the way that I, I kind of phrase it in this new program I put together for Forging Kings, it's like, are you, I, I, I go, are you trying to raise a king or are you trying to raise a pleb, right? That idea of the, um, the peasant in old Roman times, right? Like what kind of person are you trying to raise? And so I think 90% of people would be like, yeah, I'm trying to raise, and in their own language, I'm trying to raise a son who's integrity driven, and who is in touch with his emotions, uh, you know, is respectful, uh, has, you know, has fun um, and is a c- contributing member to society, right? Some form of that, some kind of language around that, right? Maybe with a few other things thrown in there. So if that's your goal of like, cool, I want my son to be these things, then your parenting should reflect that. Your parenting should reflect like the nurturing of, those traits and the reason I go raising kings or raising plebs is because back to your point on uh, like introducing books and introducing uh, outside ideas into your, your kids lives is Harry Potter is one of the best examples from an archetype point of view of, of what we should be striving for our sons because what does he do he's he's and think back to the first two books, the first two movies, is he's breaking a lot of the rules in place. Like, he, he, he is breaking a lot of the rules, school rules, but he's doing it in the purview and through his own discernment of, like, well, I need to break these rules because if I don't, Lord Voldemort's going to return, right? The evil's going to come in, the darkness is going to win if I don't break these rules. And so I think within the constraints of parenting, it's like... When, you, when your son is taking risks, he's going to. Are you going to come down really hard on the risks or are you going to like kind of use your own discernment and go, okay, what did he do? Okay, he, he, he snuck out last night. Okay, where does that sit in terms of how I'm trying to raise him? What kind of man he's going to become? What are the values that that teaches him based on my response? All these things. Again, parenting is really, really difficult. But a, a great uh, way to simplify it is you're, you're, you're trying to stop your son from breaking his neck, but it's not, a, it's not the worst thing if he breaks a couple bones. That's kind of how I think about it because we learn by pushing our boundaries. We learn by challenging ourselves. We learn by taking risks. It's how human beings learn. And if you are the helicopter parent, and now they're calling it the lawnmower parent, which is you're just fucking riding that, riding that shit, is if you're that, you're not raising the the traits that we're trying to raise. You're raising again, and and that that son is not going to be very confident, right? He's if you're if you're overprotective and overbearing and not allowing him to step out into the world, he's not going to be. You're not setting him up for success. So, one of the things. I think it's week one in my Forging Kings. It's like, what kind of man are you trying to raise? What kind of son are you trying to raise? Are you, because if you're trying to raise a king and you're trying to raise a thing, you're going to have to put up with some disobedience. Like that's not a bad thing. Maybe, maybe you still enforce the boundaries because you've enforced the boundary, but in the background, you might be going with your partner like, oh, I'm glad he kind of pushed back on that or like, oh, wow, it's great to see him thinking for himself because 
what does school teach you? It doesn't teach you to think for yourself. So the school system's not in place to, to create critical thinkers. So how can you do it in your own family dynamic of like, well, I want my son to be able to think for himself. Okay, the risk of wanting that is he's going to disagree with me and he's going to push back and he's going to do these things. So I would look at it as like, don't let them break their necks. But if he breaks his arm, he's learning. He's out there. He's in He's in the thing. You know, I, I, I remember when I was 12 years old and I was in a final series for my uh, AFL, for my football, and I fell off a rugby posts, right? I fell off a rugby post and sprained my, my wrist really badly that I couldn't play in the game. And it was like a really important lesson for me to learn. It was like... Dylan, because of your actions, you've cost your team on the weekend, right? And it was like this, I was like 10 years old. You can't learn a lesson that that, that is that uh, like deep and meaningful without making a mistake, without fucking up and going through it. Like I wouldn't have been able to learn, oh wow, my, cons- my actions from three, four days ago and climbing that rugby post and falling off and spraining my wrist, that's actually impacting not just myself, but my whole team. And I'm really committed to my team. Like I'm, I'm, I claim to be committed to my team, but that's not. So through the experience, I was able to learn that lesson. Now, if my parents saw me climbing up the thing, I get down, get off there. What are you doing? Stop being an idiot. Get down. I don't learn that lesson. Now, I don't think you can learn the lesson without going through the experience. So I could be wrong there, but I, I, I think it is about learning certain lessons through experience. So I think that's just what I wanted to end on there is is what kind of man, what kind of son do you want your son to be and become and be okay with whatever that pushback is. Again, you want him to be resilient? Well, maybe he's going to do some things that you disagree with, right? So I think that's important to know. That was such a great place to end it, man. I like <clears throat> here, here, you know, I'm, I'm over here, like, you know, pumping my fist. I agree <laughs> with all of that. Like I made a post the other day that was like, obedience is not a virtue. Very yeah, important man. to understand. Mm. Uh, my wife told me something the other day, which is like <clears throat> most of the problems in Western society can be traced back to a parent telling the child, put the stick down, mm. you know, like, no, put, pick the stick back up, start hitting people. I mean, don't start hitting people necessarily, <laughs> but like do dangerous things and yeah. don't say, oh, be careful. And we were talking about this the other day. It's like, huh, what's a better way to say that? Because obviously they're going to be careful. Like they don't want to die. And if you say like, oh, don't be careful. You get them to like fear. Don't trust myself. Don't Mm. do this. Don't do that. Don't risk. And Mm. so it's like, can you, I wonder if we can ask them like, hey, are you, are you feeling confident right now? You yeah. With like what you're doing, do you feel like I mean, safe's not the right word? I hate the word safe in the last two years. Um, mm. But like, <laughs> yeah. what, what are these questions, right, that we can be asking them to support? Mm. So, damn, dude, I yeah, I, I would like yeah. to listen to that again myself, just to like drill that in because that's right on. Uh, where can people find you? And and please continue on. I, I love this, dude. Yeah, no, I was I was, gonna, I was just going to say too. Uh, There's a great exercise that I do with my boys, which is I, I make them again because I'm trying. I'm like trying to. Prince to king, right? Like boy to man, like think for yourself, take responsibility for yourself. This is where we're trying to get them. I think as parents, we're trying to get them to think for themselves and be responsible. So one thing that's really good exercise to do is actually to make contracts with your sons. So to say, okay, especially when they get older and they're starting to be like, let me stay up later, let me go out, let me do these things. It's like, okay, um, we want you to make your bed, uh, do the dishes every night, make dinner once a week, um, 
and be home for dinner every night, even on weekends, right? Here's our expectations of you. What would you like? Okay, I want to be able to go out till 4 a.m. on a Friday night. Okay, mate, you're 14 years old. That's not going to happen. But how does midnight sound? Okay, midnight and you're at someone's house. You're not roaming the streets. Okay, that's not bad, right? Because what was his, what was, at 13, it was maybe a, a bedtime of nine. So you're giving him an extra three hours. Cool. We'll, we'll allow you this. On a Friday night, you can go out with your mates until midnight and do your thing And because we think that we were, we we think we've done a good enough job that we have instilled good values into you that you'll make good decisions with the freedom. That's also a really interesting point too that I find with parenting. It's like if you've done a good, if you are confident in your parenting ability, you will actually feel confident letting your son go with the freedom because you're like, well, I know that I've instilled good things into my son and I trust my son to make pretty good decisions even when given freedom. Now, what happens is if you're that overbearing parent, you're not giving them freedom, not giving them freedom, not giving them freedom. Maybe they get to 18 and you're like, okay, like you're 18, you're an adult now. Then they're going to freak the fuck out because now they can do anything. And, they're, and then they're up till 7 a.m. at some nightclub and do, popping pills because they're like, what is this? I don't know what this is. I've never had to, cool, sweet. Like, no. But at 14 years old, you can go, okay, here's this agreement. You, and sign, like, I think, I remember signing it and having these agreements with parents, like, sign that agreement. Like, cool, make it official, make it cool, make it uh, a ritual again to that rites of passage. Like, make it, okay, Dylan. We're sitting down. You are agreeing to uphold your end of the bargain. You're going to make your bed every day. You're going to clean the dishes. You're going to make dinner. You're going to do these things. Okay, great. Now, as a reward or as a part of what we will uphold to you is we'll we'll drive you to your mate's place on a Friday night. We'll pick you up at any time you want. You, you call us even if you're past your bedtime. Like we, you, you can be out till 12, but if it's 2, 3 a.m., call us if you need us. Right? Don't be afraid. We will not punish you. You will still get your agreements. All good. Right? Have a contract and, and sign it. Sign it with him. Great. That way, when he's not making his bed or not upholding it, it's not personal. It's not an attack on him. It's, okay, mate, let me get this agreement out. Cool. Here it is here. Right here. We've said, you said that you would do these things. Did you do them? No, you didn't. Okay. As a result of that, this is what's going to happen now. And you, you lay out even the punishments before the um, before it happens because otherwise it's too emotional. Like think about how poor of a communicator you get in a highly emotional state and then put yourselves in a 14-year-old's shoes. Like he's not, you know. So if you can create the boundaries and create the structure beforehand, it takes the personal attack out. Like, oh, why are you, why are you doing this to me, mom? Why are you doing this to me, dad? It's like... Mate, you're doing this to yourself. We said that you had to make your bed, and when you went off to school this morning, you didn't. So as a result, no, you know, whatever the whatever the result is, the result is like figure that out. Um, again, I'm not a, I'm not a parent, and I haven't read all the literature on like parenting, but I think that's really I think that's a really handy thing is to create contracts with your kids because it becomes a ritual. Then he he's playing the same game that you're playing because oftentimes parents are playing one game and kids are playing their own. So you want to you want to have some area where you're both playing the same game. You're both playing by the same rules, right? And then similarly, like you have to hold yourself accountable. You're exhausted from work. You're absolutely buggered. You you can't wait to rip into your dinner. And your son goes, "Hey, Dad, remember I asked that I had a party? Can you can you take me to that party now? Like time to uphold your all right, mate. Let me just chuck the 
Food in the oven, I'll keep it warm and let's go. Where's the party? Oh, it's an hour away. Oh, awesome. Great. Like it's, it's, it's a give and take thing. You, you know, again, role model, you are agreeing to this thing. Are you a man of your word? Or are you going to, oh, mate, no, I'm exhausted. I just sat down to eat. Can I, can I take you after I eat? Dad, you, I, I told you about this. It, it's seven o'clock. It's time to go. Like, let's, let's go. Like, all right. Like you got to lead from the front. You have to lead. And, and some, like the parents should be taking the high road. Like they're the parent, right? It's hard, but you shouldn't be, your son shouldn't be the one making concessions for you. All right, dad, you finish your dinner and then let's go. Like, all right, cool. And he's a bit flat because then he gets to the party an hour late and, you know, you know, oh, the cute girl's now already got a guy talking to him. Oh, great. Like you've ruined my night, dad. Like it'll happen. Like you, it, it's, it's important to your son. So it should be important to you. Um, hmm. Dude, that was so good. This last 10, 15 minutes has been fire. <laughs> like, just unbelievable. Uh, okay, man, let's uh, let's wrap it up. I'm going to yep. uh, ask you to tell us, like, where to find you. I know you mentioned a couple of your programs, but just, like, give us the list. Yeah. Uh, so, Instagram, I'm, I'm really, like, uh, I try to be as active as possible on Instagram. So, Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N dot Ruse, R-O-O-S. Um, and you know, I try to be as accessible as possible too. I'm always checking like the little requests folder and responding to people. So shoot me a message. Um, you'll find all the links like my website on there, but my website's dylanruscoaching.com. Um, you'll find my program there. As I said, I'm going to do the launch, uh, shortly with my forging Kings program. Um, and then LinkedIn, Facebook, same Dylan Ruse. You can find me there and, and connect with me there as well man thank you so much for this i am so pumped like this is the perspective that you're able to offer like outside of the i'm the father is just incredible and Mm. this is just like it should be a wake-up call i hope uh for a lot of guys and actually a lot of like hope that there are guys out there who is like oh yeah let's just send my son to dylan let's go send my son to whoever and just get them more perspective in life dude i'm so grateful that you do what you do and that you shared with us so thank you for being here Mate, right back at you. I'm looking forward to tapping into the dad's network that I've now got and and connecting more with you offline and through Instagram and all those sorts of things, man. So thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world. To find out more about everything that we talked about in the episode today, including show notes, resources, and links to subscribe, leave a review, work with us, go to dad.work slash pod. That's D-A-D dot W-O-R-K slash P-O-D. Type that into your browser, just like a normal URL, dad.work slash pod. You'll find everything there you need to become a better man, a better partner, and a better father. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.